Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Well, if you open up your Bibles to Luke, we're going to literally be going verse by verse as we think about this morning's message. Jacob began last week talking to you and me about the angel that came to bring good news after 400 years of silence. Slowly but surely, the greatest rescue plan ever hatched to mankind from their inevitable demise and destruction began to be witnessed by people and recorded for all who desire to be rescued. Beginning first with the announcement by the angel Gabriel to Zacharias that Elizabeth would have a baby in her old age, John the Baptist, to the announcement to Mary about the birth of the Son of God, these announcements were but the beginning of the good news that has been shared for over 2,000 years. And so now, breaking on the scene, is Gabriel speaking to Mary about the next phase of God's plan. that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive and bring forth a son. And thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. How shall this be, seeing that I know not a man? The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the Highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy child which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy Mary was selected to have a role in the good news that God had for mankind. But I don't want you to just think about Mary, but I want you to think about your role. I remember when God saved me from a life 
of rock and roll, drugs, and sex. And he said, I'm going to select you to preach the gospel. I had a ninth grade education at that time. I had no idea what God had in store for me and my wife and my kids and the 16 grandkids and the people's lives that God has used my wife and I to touch over the years. I had no idea what God could do with a sinner. You see, God has also selected you to have a role in the good news. I don't care who you are, what you look like, what your background is. He has selected you this morning to have a role just like Mary in the good news. Mary's and our role in the good news story is the title of this morning's message. After 400 years of silence, I want to ask you a question. God didn't select Mary because she was serving the world. She was anticipating the Messiah like all the Jewish people. Are you anticipating the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? And are you and me busy in our roles? He selected you and me. He purchased you and me. He bought you and me. He went all the way to the cross and shed his blood for you and me, not for us to sit in a chair and in our homes and zip our lips and be quiet about the greatest news that man has ever known. God is not going to destroy you and send you and separate you from you and hell forever and ever, from heaven and hell. He's done that for you and me. That's good news. You're not going to be destroyed along with everything else in heaven and earth. And he's given you and me the gift of eternal life so we could live with him forever and ever. And so after 400 years of silence, God breaks into the history of man. Galilee has seen a light. And the good news began with Elizabeth and Zacharias. And then the angel visited Mary. Notice in verse 26, as we go, Verse by verse, I love the Bible. Mm, I just want to hug it, kiss it, hold it. I love the Bible. The second I got saved, it was the first book I set my eyes on. I used to only read comic books. What did you used to read? And now we read a book with no pictures in it, but yet pictures come alive when we read the Word of God. You see, the angel was sent to Mary. By the way, Gabriel is mentioned some four times, two times in Daniel, and then, of course, two times in Luke. This was no ordinary angel. This was Gabriel. This was the one that stood in the presence of Almighty God. None of us in the flesh can stand in the presence of God. What a role that he had. It says in Luke 1, 19, then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Notice something else about this. It says in the sixth month, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. What town are you from? What city are you from? What family have you been born into that you would say, well, God's not looking in my town. I married a girl 
from Dermont, Arkansas. If you close your eyes and you blink, you might pass through that little town. But boy, did it have a nice package for me, all wrapped and ready for me, because it was really Christmas time. New Year's, uh, two days after uh, Christmas, or actually uh, the 2nd of January, I married my wife after making a New Year's resolution on January 1st. I'm going to be single for the rest of my life. <laughs> I broke that commitment right away and got married <laughs> January 2nd. I didn't know God had a nice package in that little town called Dermont, Arkansas, a dusty, dusty town living way out in the middle of nowhere. But yet God had something important for me, and he had something important for you and me in that little town called Nazareth. In fact, that little town, Nazareth, remember, calls Nathaniel, who came to Jesus because of Philip, when Philip said, listen, we found the Messiah, Yeshua, Yeshua from Nazareth. What? Can anything good come from that town? So please, don't disqualify yourself because of your education, because of the town that you're born in, or perhaps because you were a big sinner or a little sinner. You and me have a role in God's kingdom. Something else notice in verse 27. Hopefully you have your Bibles open because we're going to go verse by verse. And, or if you have your phone out, it's in the NIV if you would like to use that app. Verse 27 reminds us of something else. It says, to a virgin. He came with a message to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Now, I think about how some of us have said, you know what, Pastor, I don't have the testimony you have. You were a no-good sinner. Well, by the way, you were too. But you did a lot more sins than I did. So God can use you more, and you can stand up in front of people and wow them with that awesome testimony of God delivering you from a life of sin. But I don't have that story, so he's not going to use me. He used Mary, who was walking with God, in those 400 years of silence, in the back end of that 400 years, he selected a woman who was walking with God and wasn't living a life of sin. And he selected that virgin to do something awesome in the role of spreading the good news. By the way, it was kind of weird looking this up. I, I wanted to see if this world has done something with that word called virgin. Young people here today, you may know what that word is. It, in a nice, kind way, it means a young lady or a man that has not had sexual activity with someone else. Is that what the definition is today? Hmm. I looked up revolution.com. And not that I was looking for off-the-wall stuff. Do they believe that's what the word virgin means? I mean, they've taken every other word and, and they've it, it, they defined it in a different way today, right? Gender is defined in a different way today. So uh, I looked it up and here's what they thought about the word virgin. It says, forget everything you've ever been taught as a woman because most of it is patriarchal lies fed from one generation to the next. The word virgin derives from a Latin root meaning strength, force, and skill. It never meant sexual chase. It meant sexual independence. 
That's how they have redefined the word. It's used to describe women who are free and not owned or tamed by anyone. A woman who was a virgin was her own sovereign. That's the definition of our world today about virgin. But I want to tell you what the scripture teaches us about a virgin. Is she did not know a man. Now, many of us, I realize, got saved later on in life. And the second we got saved, we began to look at what God had to teach about this subject. And we began to line our lives up with the will of God. We aren't any less or any more those who were not virgin before they got married. But let me just say this. There is a special place. I raised my six kids to walk with God now, I haven't walked up to each one and said, have you had sex before marriage? It might, I might die of a heart attack if they give me back the wrong answers, okay? They haven't asked me that question, so I, I won't tell them. But the long story short is this. I believe my kids, for the most part, I think they were pretty chaste. And uh, there's no telling how God will use Jacob because he didn't have to go through the things that I went through. So parents, still raise your kids to do the right thing. We must teach the right things and preach the right things, but we don't look down our nose at all for those who might have failed in this area. Let me tell you something. We all have failed God in every way. He said, if you've looked upon a man or a woman the lust, then you have committed adultery in your hearts. But there is a special place in God's kingdom for those who've kept themselves pure. Mary did such a feat, and God used her. Well, notice Joseph also was a man that God used. And the only thing I like to say about Joseph is in Matthew chapter 1 and in Luke chapter 3 and 4, they talk about the lineage. And so the Jews kept meticulous records so they could understand the lineage or the line through which Jesus must come, the Messiah must come. And so Matthew records it for all of us and for all the people living in Uh, Jesus' day and right after his death. And Luke records it also. And so Matthew traces the line of Joseph all the way to to Abraham. And so that's the patriarchal side of the lineage. That is the, what we would call the legal right to the throne, that Jesus had a legal right to the throne. And then, of course, through Luke, there is a lineage for you and me to look at, uh, kind of traces the the matriarchal uh, lineage of Mary all the way back to King David and then all the way back to Adam. Now, you have to understand something. The Jews of that day could look at those records and they could not lie because Jesus had a right to David's throne. Today, if someone came and said, I'm the Messiah, there is no way that they could legally prove their lineage going back to King David and then back to Abraham because all the records were destroyed in 70 AD when Rome sacked Jerusalem. Okay, Mary was highly favored. Notice in verse 28, Mary, it teaches us in verse 28, that Joseph, a descendant of David, the virgin's name was Mary, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Well, Mary was highly favored. I think we've talked a lot about this. Can you imagine God coming and saying to you, 
You are favored. Wouldn't you like your boss to come and say, you you are favored above all the employees and I I want to give you a raise. Um, It's not good to tell your kids you're favored over the other one. That's that's a no-no, so please don't do that. But Mary was highly favored. This is one of the things I've always prayed for my kids. I've told you that. I pray that they will, they will grow in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and man. And I believe if you pray that over your children, if that is the desire of your heart, God will honor that and bless you. But the Bible tells us that you are favored too. You think Mary was special. And she, she had a role in in spreading the good news. But you have a role, too, in spreading the good news. And you are highly favored. You don't think so? Well, let's read the passage. Second Chronicles reminds us that the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those hearts that are fully committed to him. And in some of the translations it reads, to bless those hearts that are fully committed to him. You are favored of God. His eyes are upon you, just like they were upon Mary, if your heart is devoted to him. Notice, honor was given to Mary in this particular uh, passage. He had, she had favor and then the Lord is with you. Wow. Isn't that? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you like uh, God to come alongside you right now? I'm, I'm with you with those troubles. I, I, I'm with you in what you're going to go through this week, this month. I am with you in your financial struggles. I, I am with you in the sickness that you're enduring. Just to hear a word from the Lord would send healing into our bodies. And the angel came and said, the Lord is with with you. Imagine how you would feel if God came and said that to you. Well, he said that to all of us, right? The Lord is with you. Remember when we were raised, I was raised in the Catholic Church. How many raised in the Catholic Church? And then you would say, the, the priest would say, the Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. The Lord is with you and also with you. He was with Mary and he is also with you. He's looking for you to have a role in the sharing the good news of Jesus Christ, just like Mary. Well, there is honor given to Mary in this world, by the way. In Luke 1.28, in the King James, it reads this way. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, that thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women. Notice it didn't say above women, but among women. You see, when it comes time to marry, people tend to go to one extreme to the other. They either magnify her so much that Jesus takes second place. Or they ignore her and fail to give her the esteem that she deserves. Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, called her the mother of my Lord. And that is reason enough to honor Mary. There is nothing wrong with honoring Mary, the mother, the earthly mother of our Savior. The Bible tells us you too are favored and loved. I want you to turn to a passage, 1 John chapter 3. Again, this is about Mary. 
We want to tell the story. We want to be familiar with the story. But you and me have a role in the story. You're not sitting here and there's an act being played out for you. But you are to insert yourself in the story. God has saved you. You have a role somehow, some way in the spreading of the good news of Jesus Christ. In 1 John 3, 1 through 3. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called the children of God. And that is what we are. By the way, this means so much. I know because I took someone in my home. He got saved in my home. He's now preaching the gospel. He so much wants to call us mom and dad, and we allow him that privilege, and now he's also a part of our inheritance. He loves to call us mom and dad. Maybe some of us take it for granted that we have a mom and dad and that we can say that. Well, the Bible tells us that what a privilege it is to be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that It did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we will know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Yes, Mary was highly favored, but so are you favored. If there was, you've heard this. I remember when I first got saved, people told me this. If there was no one else in the entire world, Jesus went to the cross for you. For you individually, he went to the cross for you. You are highly favored in God's sight. Something else about this story. We see the humanness of Mary. She was not the God, the mother of God. When I was back in my early religion, I thought Mary was the mother of God himself. I I didn't know how that happened, but that seemed to be how it was explained to me, or I got my theology wrong one or the other. I won't blame everybody else. But Mary was very human. You see that spelled out in verse 29 and 30. After this angel appears out of nowhere, I mean, have you ever been in a room by yourself and you really say, God, would you just speak to me? And if God did, you would fall down almost dead. Be careful what you ask for. To have an encounter with an angel or with God. Well, that happened to Mary. And greetings, Mary, out of nowhere. You're in the middle of praying or all by yourself. And some angel appears out of nowhere telling her greetings. And, and so the scripture tells us in verse 39 or 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The, the, the translation says she was troubled, but really it's not the, the, the trouble like uh, Herod. Remember when Herod was told by the wise men that a king was born and he was very troubled because he was protective of his throne. He didn't want anybody taking over his throne. That's not the kind of trouble that Mary had. She was very concerned. I mean, just think, you bring someone into your office. You're the, you're the boss. I've got some news for you. I know sometimes I bring someone in my office and I have something to tell you. And immediately I, I try to set them at ease because they think, okay, what's coming? They're setting me up for the kill. 
Well, that's not what was happening with Mary. She was troubled because, or she was confused about what she was hearing. She was disturbed. She was thoroughly shaken. An angel was there in her presence. She had never, ever entertained an angel. By the way, the Scripture does tell us, beware. Beware when someone knocks on your door. You see, I knocked on someone's door. They thought I was an angel. (laughs) They soon found out I wasn't, but they took me in the home, and I lived with them for three years. So if someone comes knocking on your door or someone on your car window or bebopping into the church or sitting next to you, you may be sitting next to an angel. I know that girl next to you, you think she's an angel. I'm not talking about that kind of angel. But, 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 but seriously, the Bible says, beware, you may be entertaining an angel unawarely. So it can happen in our day. It can happen to you. It did happen to Mary, and she was a little bit troubled, and she was fearful. So you see how human she was. She was not immaculate Mary, as some religions try to uh, proclaim her. She was a normal human being that had some sort of uh, concern about what was being said there. And by the way, she was fearful. She was fearful. The beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. Notice, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid. You have found favor with God. Have you ever found relief by repeating those words aloud so that you will not be afraid? In fact, in 2 Timothy 1.7, I have quoted this passage many, many times. How many of you have quoted this passage out loud? You've, how many, can I ask you a question? Be honest. How many have ever feared? Would you raise your hand? Okay. How many have ever lied? Would you raise your hand? Okay, all right. You and I, there's, we've, we have feared something. In fact, the Bible says the beginning of wisdom is to fear the Lord. So she feared. But the Bible tells us God has not given you and me, not, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I've had to quote that scripture over and over and over again, and I'll probably have to quote it again because the enemy does not want us to be at peace. He's a robber of peace. But you quote this and quote this till the enemy dies and flees. He has to flee at God's word. And so you see the humanness of Mary. Okay, so the angel comes and says, hey, guess what? She was told she was going to bring into this world the Messiah. Notice in verse 31 and in 32. You, you have found favor with God. Okay, here's the favor. Here's, here's the kind of favor besides you just knowing the Father and the Son. The favor is this. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and would be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will have no end. Okay, so Gabriel brings a message of instructions, and once again he says, you are favored. He said, you are favored instead of having fear, you are favored. And Gabriel gave her the name she's to call her son. Remember, Jacob came up here a little while ago and last week and said they, they were kind of debating over what to call their 
child. I know my wife and I tangled a lot. How many have ever tangled about what the name of their child was going to be, okay? I don't want to say, don't raise your hand and say, I won. We don't know who won, but bottom line is we tangled over what his or her name was going to be. Well, guess what? Mary didn't have to worry about that because the Bible tells us his name is going to be Yeshua. Hmm. You know, I, I thought about that a lot. You know, if you and me travel around the world, my name's Ron, Ronnie, and uh, many of you don't know my name's Ronnie, uh, but people call me Ron. I have five other, five other brothers, Ricky, R-E-C-K-Y, Randy, R-E-N-D-Y, Ronnie, O-N-N-Y, Rodney, R-O-D-N-Y, Richie, R-E-C-H-Y, and Johnny, J-O-H-N-Y. Those are my brother's names, so people don't, my name's Ron. They don't know my name's Ronnie. It's not Ronnie, R-I-N-N-I-E, and it's not Ronald McDonald, which I used to call me when I, R-O-N-A-L-D. It's Ron or Ronnie. And, and my name doesn't change when I went to Germany. They, hi Ron, or they didn't, when I went to Ecuador, they didn't tell me, oh, Ron, it's Ron. Okay. I like when it's, a guy's name is Ricardo, I like to go, Ricardo, you know, I like to roll my tongue. His name is Yeshua, no matter where you go in the world. So I, I always wonder why we changed Jesus' name. By the way, I looked up some things about Jesus' name. In Israel at that time, it was kind of sad. They, they, they didn't call him Yeshua. Those that did not believe, they called him Yeshu. You know what Yeshu means in Hebrew? May his name be cursed. Now, unless you think we're picking on the Israelites or the Jewish people, do we take the name of Jesus, and do we misabuse his name? I always tell people out in the pickleball court, I hear more about Jesus than I do in the church. I always, when I'm out there in the golfing range and golfing balls, dang it, I hear more garbage coming out about Jesus. It's funny. You can say the name of Jesus in a derogatory way, but you mention him in a good way, and people want to chastise you. So we do the same thing. But Yeshu, Yeshu, which is an acronym for a curse, Yemach Shemon Yezichor means, may his name and memory be obliterated. When they say Yeshu rather than Yeshua. Sadly, he is often referred to as Yeshu HaNuxri, which basically means curse on Jesus the Christian. A name means something. You see, in Israel, he is usually seen as a Gentile Christian and other. But Jesus wasn't a Christian. He wasn't a Christ follower. He was the Messiah. There are some who would argue to their blue in the face that it is critical to call him Yeshua and not Jesus. But Yeshua's coming was also God's time to tell salvation to the Gentiles. God was now opening the way to the people of the earth to come to know him. So if you relate to him by his name, Jesus, don't let it burden you to, 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 to say you have to change his name to Yeshua. But it's not wrong for us to interchange that from, from time to time. I told you how much I like Adonai rather than Lord. It means something different. Adonai, Master, Lord. Remember, Jesus said this. His sheep know his voice. That's all you need to concern yourself with. So, Yeshua or Joshua, which means salvation. But from the Greek, 
we get the name Yesus or Jesus. But remember this, the Jewish Messiah. Jesus wasn't a Christian. Mary wasn't a Catholic. And John wasn't a Baptist. Contrary to popular opinion. But it is nice to say Yeshua. That's his name. That was the name God gave Mary. And that's the name that he became known by. Gabriel tells us what he'll be called. Now, sometimes you try to figure out what your name actually means. Have you ever looked up what your name actually means? Sometimes you feel that someone lived their life, and then they came up with the meaning after they lived their life. But that's not so with Yeshua. Gabriel tells Mary that he will be called the Son of God. He will be the Son of David. And it is an amazing that God used children to proclaim these truths for the first time in Jerusalem. They were crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. Well, Gabriel also described his kingdom, and it would be an eternal kingdom. By the way, remember the lineage. He must come through the line of King David. So that's why it was so important to remind the Israelites, they knew in their mind, they were waiting for this king, and they were waiting for this Messiah, and now he was beginning to be proclaimed to all the Jewish people, and he said his kingdom will have no end. And that is mentioned in 2 Samuel to King David in verse 16 when he told David, your house and your kingdom will continue before me for all time, and your throne will be secure forever. The Jewish people knew this. And then in 2 Samuel 7, 19, David was shocked to hear this, just like Mary was shocked to hear the good news. And now, sovereign Lord, in addition to everything else, you speak of giving your servant a lasting dynasty. Do you Deal with everyone this way, O sovereign Lord? So, wow, Mary's hearing all this good news that she is going to have a child named Yeshua, and he's going to be the king that all Israel has been waiting for, and that he will also be called the Son of God. Now, let's look at verse 34 and 35. Mary was expected to believe the miraculous, and she did. Notice verse 34 and 35. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? So that clearly tells us she did not know a man. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Now, this is a little bit different. When you read it, you might think Mary is doubting God. But we know in the later verses that's not true because she said, I am your servant. Let it be done as you said. John, excuse me, Zacharias, when he was told that his wife, who's old, and the angel Gabriel said, You're going, your wife's going to have a baby, kind of reminded me of the story when Abraham was told and Sarah overheard in her old age that she was going to have a child. She laughed. I imagine Zechariah kind of snickered and then doubted, and then he got blasted for his doubting. Do you remember what happened to him? He could not speak for nine months. 
he doubted. Mary did not doubt. She was just trying to figure out, how is this going to happen? She was concerned. Mary was concerned. How was she going to have this child? Now, today, do you know there are many ways to have a child? They didn't know all the ways that we know today how to have a child. So if a woman wants to have a child, there are a lot of ways you can. Insemination, IEU, the turkey baster method. I, I, I did not know about the turkey baster method. Just wanted to make sure you guys heard that clearly. The IVF method in, in vitro fertilization, surrogacy, and then finally, the regular way, intimacy. That, that's the ways you can have a child that Mary only knew once. So she's, okay, I'm going to have a baby. How am I going to have one? That's what she's baby saying. She's not doubting. Okay, how's this going to come to pass? And so the concern was answered. The Holy Spirit. See, they were familiar with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. How were, they, how were they so familiar with the Holy Spirit? Because in Genesis 1, it teaches us the Holy Spirit was hovering over the face of the earth. And he was also involved in the creation of the heavens and the earth. Just like John in chapter 1 said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And nothing that was made that you see was not made unless Jesus was present and the Holy Spirit and the Father was present. So she's going to be, she's going to have that seed planted in her. You don't have to have sexual intercourse to have a child from God. After all, he gave us the first child, man and woman. He gave us the first seeds to plant in the ground to have an apple tree or a pear tree. Nothing is impossible with God. And so he, the Holy Spirit planted a seed in her so that she could conceive Jesus. Well, in verse 36 and 37, Mary was encouraged to believe in verse 36 and 37. She was encouraged. The Holy Spirit comes along, all of us. You have a role, and I have a role. When everyone told me I was going to be a minister, now I have a master's and a doctorate degree in theology, but back then I had nothing, and so when everyone kept telling me, you're going to be a preacher one day, really? <laughs> How's that going to happen? I have a ninth-grade education. And, and then one guy said, you're going to be another Billy Graham. You're going to speak to millions of people. Well, that didn't happen, but maybe it has happened through all of our children and all the people we've spoken through. I don't know. Did I believe? Kind of doubted, went wavered back and forth. Perhaps God has a role for you. To speak to your neighbor and say, I'm not the one. Maybe you feel like Moses. Well, I, I, I stammer when I talk, or I don't have the personality that you have. We got to quit giving credit to our talents. Our talent is used by God, but He wants to use you to spread the good news just like he wanted to use Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. If he lays on your heart to do something, be obedient like Mary. Mary was encouraged to believe in verse 36. Even Elizabeth, he reminds her, this, this, this cousin of yours, John the Baptist, but your relative is going to have a child. Well, everyone knew about Elizabeth, at least the family did. They can't have a child. And she's too old now to have a child. Well, guess what? Elizabeth, your relative is going to have a child in her old age. That's a miracle. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. 
So she was encouraged to believe another miracle, a miracle that she would conceive without a man and that her relative was going to have a baby in her old age. She was encouraged to believe, and she was encouraged to believe in God's great power. There is nothing impossible for God. Isaiah 55, 11 really nails this truth home. So is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose to which I sent it. So if you're ever uncomfortable saying to yourself, I cannot have a Bible study. I cannot lead anybody to Christ. Just open up the Word of God. Pull out a track and just give it to that person. Allow them to read it with you. You read it to them out loud, and God is going to accomplish something that you couldn't accomplish. Believe in this truth. When it goes out, it won't return void. Ever since I have proclaimed the gospel since 1976, I have found so much comfort in proclaiming the truth of God, not trying to write my own type of script. Here is the script. I might add a few things to it in application. But the bottom line is his word will not return void. So God is saying to Mary, listen, it's done. God already said it. Whether, whether Zacharias believes it or not, it's going to happen. Mary, I know you're concerned, but it's going to happen. We're, we, you ask Jesus into your life, it's going to happen if you believe. Notice, here's the attitude you need to have in the last verse, verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary was submissive to what God's will for her life was. Are you? You know, I talked about how Jacob was voted on and it was unanimous. I remember when I was voted on to be the pastor and there's one vote against me and I was kind of ticked off. Well, the person that voted against me was a wife of a man who was a businessman who was doing very good. But through his relationship with our church, he surrendered the call to ministry. And right when we license him and ordain him, that day, I believe, with, that day within a week, he got a call from Walmart or, or, or Sam's wanting to give him a big promotion and to go to Arkansas. He oversaw about five, six, seven stores. She was ticked off because God had a word for them, and that word was they're going to go minister and they're going to be a full-time minister. And he was to give up his lucrative salary and go minister, and she didn't like it. So not everyone receives, not everyone receives their role, what God's asked them to do. And you, some of you know, some of you may be sitting here, and God's asked you to do something in his name, to be a part of spreading the good news. And you have not been obedient. Maybe a call to surrender. Maybe a call to be a giver, to serve, to share the gospel with your neighbor. Are you really being submissive to your role? God, whatever it is that you would like me to do, and in being a partaker of the good news that's coming to the world, I, I, I want to fulfill my role. I was just asking God, Lord, 
I believe you can use me now more than ever in these coming days and weeks and months because we have learned so much. We know so much. You know so much. We've learned so much. Mary had a role carrying the child of God. What a privilege, what a responsibility. But you and me have a role and a privilege and a responsibility. Will you embrace that role today? You don't want to stand before God and say, I I did not partake in sharing of the good news that you could be delivered from your life of sin and have eternal life. I know my wife and I debate a lot of times about my neighbors. Most of the time I've driven my neighbors away. My neighbor next door to us moved four or five times. Uh, We had a neighbor. I mean, we went with one neighbor. and I I don't think it was because of the gospel, but it could have been. So this time I've kind of done the silent treatments. We've kind of passed out Christmas cards, and in it is the message of the gospel. But I just want to walk up to him and say, listen, if you die tonight, you're going to heaven or hell. The only reason I've been hesitant, because I don't want them to think I want them to come to my church. I really want them to go to heaven. But because I'm the pastor, I feel kind of awkward because they know I'm a pastor, and they might think I'm trying to get them down to my place for business, and I'm not. What's your excuse? Will you commit this morning saying, God, I embrace whatever role it is. And don't think your role is insignificant, by the way. Don't think your role. I'll bring this message out next Sunday on Christmas Day. The joy in waiting. The joy that Simeon and uh, Anna had. He waited his entire life for one mess, one thing, for his one little role, his one little part, to say in the role of spreading the good news, He had one little line. He said God told him he would not die until he saw the Savior of the world. Man, wouldn't you like to be that guy? You could go ziplining, jump out of planes. You could do skydiving because you're guaranteed you're not going to die. The only bad news would be what if you were in your 20s and all of a sudden you saw the baby. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you may be here or you may be looking at online. All of us in this room or looking at online had to make that decision. Today's the day I'm crossing the line and you're going to become my master, not just someone I heard about or I've heard talk about, but you now, I'm going to put my confidence in you. Forgive me, I'm a sinner, Jesus. Would you save me? I remember crying out to God, save me. I knew no religion. I didn't know what to say. I just said, I surrender. You're my savior. And boom, the Holy Spirit came in me and gave birth to me. I became a child of God. I was given eternal life. I had one foot in heaven and one foot on earth. And I began to communicate the good news almost immediately. That is done by the Holy Spirit in you. It's proof that you're his child. Would you stand with me at this time? If you want to make that decision, I'll be standing up here to help you make that decision. If you need prayer, we'll be up here to pray for you this morning. But I pray that as his word's gone forth, as you studied the story and tell that story to your children and your grandchildren. That's the reason why we repeat these things. And our faith increases, but embrace your role in spreading the good news. Father, please let your word go forth. I pray with others, and it will not return void. May it attack someone's unbelieving heart. May the Holy Spirit convict them of their sin. And may the Holy Spirit convince them that Jesus is Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus Christ, 
our Adonai, our Master and Savior. And I pray that they will give their lives to you this day. And then for, Father, those who have not accepted their role or feel that they're chopped liver or they don't have any talents or abilities, remind them you don't make any junk. You saved every human being and you have a work for them to do. Convince them, Father, today to embrace their role. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.